0: Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. All during the two terms of his presidency, there were people who were scared to death that George Washington would try to become king. <laughs> Tarnation. If they knew him at all, they would know he would do no such thing. He told them, quote, I would rather be back on my farm than be seated on the throne of the entire world. And he meant it, too. At the end of his second term, he flatly refused to be reelected. Even after the war, just as soon as he said goodbye to his men, he went back to his Mount Vernon and, and spent the next four years under his <laughs> vine and fig trees. That is where he loved to be and longed to be. But then his countrymen asked him to become president of the Constitutional Convention, and he was then finally elected president of the United States. Privately, he told his friend, General Knox, My movement to the chair of government will be accompanied by feelings not unlike those of a culprit who is going to the place of his execution. Oh, money-grubber, land-grabber, I think not. He was a statesman and a man of God. If only we had more like him in government today. Now, right after the battle of bunker or breeds hill the congress knew they had to get a good commander for their armies after three days of arguing and maneuvering and (laughs) they did the right thing and chose young george washington he was only forty three just to give you an idea of how much he really wanted the job i'll tell you what he wrote to his wife martha after it happened I should enjoy more real happiness and felicity in one month with you at home than I have the most distant prospect of reaping abroad if my stay was to be seven times seven years. You see, George was not one to seek power or office, but he did understand truth and freedom, and he was willing to fight for it, and, boy, I'm sure glad he was. Now, before I go... I want to tell you about the great love of George's life. That was Martha Custis. She was newly widowed. She had two children. They were two and four years old. She was vivacious, pert, saucy, and cute. Cute! She was beautiful! Beautiful! Oh, that girl was gorgeous, and yes, she had other very favorable assets, too. She was rich! Rich! (laughs) Rich! Oh, rich! And, oh, that made her a target for every mother's son in Virginia. If they weren't already married, they were trying to figure out how to get her hand and her money. And there were some who were trying to figure out how to get rid of the wives they did have so they could court the beautiful and very rich Martha Custis. And you can imagine, she was kind of tired and very bored with all these uh, gentlemen. She wanted to fall in love. Well, George Washington wasn't really in her class. Well, he was richer than most by now, because, well, after all, he'd just inherited his brother Lawrence's plantation. Remember, Lawrence was the oldest, and had he'd inherited the most from their father. So by this time in George Washington's life, Lawrence had already died, and that plantation had gone to George. So he was well off, but still nowhere in her class. Why? He only had 2,500 acres. She had nearly ten times that much land, over 21,000 acres. Plus, she had a lot of uh, (laughs) other assets as well. And uh, the only other thing he had going for him was that he was a commander in the French and Indian War. (laughs) Well, that counted for something, but still not enough to, to put him in serious running for the hand of the richest, most beautiful girl in the colonies. Well, now, George understood this. He understood it very clearly. And being the military commander he was, he began to lay out a strategic campaign. Even though he was only 26 at the time, he was already a seasoned warrior and a military strategist. Why, he could lay out a battle plan with finesse and and carry it through to victory. (laughs) Since he was right in the middle of the French and Indian War, He was a mite inconvenienced by having to fight battles now and again, but but being the strategist he was, he was even able to turn this to his advantage. Oh, he laid out a battle plan all right. And George, being George, it was an all-or-nothing type of plan, too. He was going after the richest prize that any commander could ever wage a battle for, and he laid his plans with care. The prize... No, 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 no. no! The prize he was after was not just to possess Martha and her riches. No, sir. George wasn't going to settle for anything less than to have Martha's love. He knew he loved her with a very uncommon love, and would never even think of marrying her unless it was marriage for love and love alone. Uh, Being a military commander and all, there were many times that special communications had to be sent to the Houch of Burgesses, Now that was the seat of government there in Virginia. Usually a commander would send messengers or military envoys, but George, he just uh, sent himself. Why, the government bigwigs were amazed that George was willing to, to bring the messages himself. They figured he was going the extra mile just to make sure those communications got through and were accurate. It was a lot of extra work for him, and they were impressed. (laughs) what they didn't know was that on every trip he would stop at the home of martha custis just to pay his respects ha do you know what else he did why that old conniver what a strategist every time he went he would tip the slaves up to thirty shillings hi sam good to see you take my horse ten shillings bartholomew brush my coat again my man ten shillings Why, he spread money around them like water, and he made friends with all of them. You see, he saw right off that Martha and her slaves were much closer than the usual master-slave relationship. And he liked that. And he made terrific use of it. They were rooting for George, and, and little by little, Martha started to take an interest in this very unique man. The end of May in 1758, George won his biggest battle campaign, and Martha said yes, that she would marry him as soon as the war was over. Well, now that sounded like a worthy goal and a real challenge to George, so he helped wrap that little French and Indian war (laughs) up real quick, and they were married on January 6th, Seventeen fifty-nine, and it was the most glamorous wedding that that anyone could imagine, the biggest thing in the colonies, and they did live happily ever after. Just six weeks after their wedding, February twenty-second, yep, that's his own birthday. He was sworn in as a member of the House of Burgesses. They decided to honor him for all of the heroic deeds he had done during the French and Indian War. And after a glowing tribute made by the Speaker of the House, uh, uh, Mr. Robinson, a very embarrassed Washington got up to give the expected response. Uh, For a minute, (coughs) he just stood there with his collar getting tighter and tighter and his face getting redder and redder. Now this is the same man that just a few months before was, was talking about the charming sound of the bullets whistling all around him? Well, yeah. after a minute, he did get his jaw to going up and down, but, but, but no words came out. S- Speaker Robinson finally came to his rescue and said, Sit down, Mr. Washington. Your modesty is equal to your valor, and that surpasses any language that I possess. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. Until tomorrow, remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends. Speak with boldness and keep your powder dry.